Will you make that much more money by having a well-designed themed watch other than getting, you know, some interest at all? It's sort of like the calculus they used to make with, like, you know, the video game movies. Like, we could make a good movie and, like, a bunch of people will see it. We're going to have a mediocre movie and, like, enough people will see it for us to make our money back and then a little bit more. The community is getting pickier in a good way and I think demanding more. But I think what I try to do with articles like this is arm the community with certain types of vocabulary or concepts to think about. So when there's a poorly themed watch, they're like, hey, high-end watch brand, nice try, but you're going to have to do better than this. Greetings and welcome to this week's A Blog to Watch Weekly. Ariel's just been singing it to us. I'll maybe put it in at the audio at the end because it was, it was worth keeping. But uh, Ariel is also, we're recording slightly later because Ariel's been launching a watch with Zodiac, which we'll come on to shortly. But first of all, Ariel, are you awake, sober? Are you ready for this? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm very excited after the event. You know, I was there, uh, it's been, you know, w- well over 10 hours of, of discussions and stuff with people between doing eBay Live and uh, chatting with the blog to watch audience members for about three hours um, and then having some business meetings and stuff like that. So it's been a very active night, but um, the Pineapple Dream launched and uh, I have to say it was so cool to see this watch on other people's wrists. Um, I know that I thought it was pretty, but really seeing on other people, wow, that was just so so cool. David, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good, and you've already warned us you might disappear because you might be receiving a package, which is the reason why Ariel was serenading us. You can tune into the end of the show for that particular musical interlude. Yes. Uh, do you know what you're waiting on specifically? Are you allowed to share? Is it a watch? I'm waiting for some pin buckles, wouldn't you know it? Uh, it's uh, for, <laughs> for a bespoke strap, but the strap is so bespoke that the, the pin buckle, they just didn't have to go with it. And they already had a bunch uh, and none of them were the right match for the grey uh, watch. Actually, it's a Zodiac that the strap is going on. So, yeah, it's just more more pin buckles. Pin buckles for days. Excellent. Good, good, good. Well, while there may be more of one thing arriving in David, there is one thing leaving, at least for this year, and that is only watch. As trailed a couple of weeks ago, our... Dubiety about the whole thing and we don't regularly report on these sort of things but we have reported it as news because it really is proper news only watch has been postponed for 2023 uh, will it come back in 2024 postpone doesn't yes mean no. anything <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> I, look, I mean the watches have been made so they can't delay it forever that would piss a lot of people off they have to create some, I guess, documentation, <laughs> proof of something or whatever. And this documentation mm. then needs to uh, be out there. And then and only then can they proceed. So, um, you know, let, let, let's not have a lot of faith in the report. <laughs> let's just wait for them to put together. So, it looks pretty. You know, it's going to look very nice. That Monaco letterhead on it. It's going to be beautiful looking. The paper, yeah. highest quality mm. paper, really. I will and, not uh, believe a what? single word of it unless it has a stamp from the freaking Prince of Monaco on it. You're not supposed to believe it. It's just supposed to be plausibly deniable, okay? <laughs> okay, my question is, though, okay, so in percentage terms, okay, because well, obviously there is going to have to be some paperwork produced for all of what's going on. But in percentage terms, the, the brochure that comes out to try and satisfy everyone, 
what percentage of it will be text versus illustrations and pictures. I reckon it'll be 75% pictures and 25% text. Ariel, what do you reckon? Um, the report about where the yeah. medical charity money went, the yeah, disappeared so do you think, do you think $100 million. Be- dollars? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think it'll be boosted? Do you think the, the pamphlet, which is only got like pictures 500 of the gold on it, bars, the money turned to these gold <laughs> bars. The gold bars are now here. This is where the gold <laughs> bars are. They have been found. Don't worry, we've yeah, located we the them. gold bars. <laughs> David, more pictures or less text? Uh, it doesn't matter because the dog of the Prince of Monaco will have at it. Uh, it's just going to <laughs> eat the report <laughs> and it's gone forever. <laughs> we can find the other 50 million, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, so what transpired after, I think it was the day following when we did an episode and covered this, is AP pulled out mm. of, which I have to say, you know, Hats off to AP for being the moral conscience of the watch industry. <laughs> if I'd looked at all of the brands that were going, I have to say, I'll confess, AP would not have been top of my list of having, you know, been the ones going, actually, we care for our brand reputation, let's get this sorted out. On the other side of the industry, however, FP Jean, uh, Francois Paul wrote a, a letter in defence of Only Watch. If I was to select someone from the Only Watch crowd that was going to write a letter of defence, he would have been at the top of my list. And once people started taking sides, I think this was fairly inevitable that they were going to have to postpone this. And I have to say, I my guess is it doesn't come back in anything like this format. These watches, something else comes together and pulls these watches and auctions these off. Maybe Christie's organised something direct. And it all gets split off because although I've heard some reasoning behind this corporate structure, which could be legitimate, the fact that it has to be explained in order to make it seem like it's legitimate is at the heart of the problem. You're funding a company that didn't exist with the proceeds from a charity and you own with your mates the crony watch, the other 50% 50% or 51% of the company. It just doesn't smell very nice. Any thoughts, gentlemen, on what should or shouldn't happen next? <sighs> it's it's good that this is not our problem in a way. Um, yeah, you should, for, the, for future reference, you should just stay away from, 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 from auctions. Maybe that's a good call. I mean... Ariel, you're not, you're not about to change your mind on covering... <laughs> auctions widely on the website <laughs> i you know i liked the concept of only watch it was such a cool yeah. thing for what it was and i don't want that to go away i like the idea that brands feel like it's a good idea to donate time to being creative and being wild like it was such a feel-good thing i don't really know what happened with it all? I don't know where the money went. I don't really know what's going to come out of it. I know no one's going to be satisfied at the end. And the fact that, you know, you had to postpone it and you had brands pulling out and other brands writing support. Nobody knows what to make of it, right? Really, nobody knows what to make of it. <laughs> um, this feels like in the Me Too movement where there's people like, you know, like colleagues supporting someone who later turns out to be super guilty. It's like, oh, we're sorry. We were supporting our friends. Like, we didn't know. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen I mean as you said I've always 
had a very healthy distance from this stuff because it's just always been highly suspect all the time. And I've always tell people, watch auctions are for entertainment only. Ignore the money. And if you're worried about where your money's being going, please don't put it in a watch auction. And that advice <laughs> has remained true. And it just continues to be proven as wise over and over and over again. Yes, yes. Well, let's leave it there. I'm sure that whatever comes out will probably be worthy of some chat later in the year. I think the only thing I can see that resolves this is this auction needs to be held and the money needs to be raised in a country that has proper, you know, registration, proper openness and transparency of the charity sector, such as the UK, the States, France, etc. But let's, let, maybe it wouldn't exist. If it, well, if it yes, wasn't maybe, for crooks maybe, yeah. that wanted to secretly steal millions and millions of dollars, <laughs> there'd never be beautiful watches, let's be honest. Yeah, okay, well, let's uh, <laughs> let's <laughs> challenge that with you. <laughs> let's challenge that with your article, Ariel. You uh, penned an article, The Challenging Proposition of Designing Themed Watches. This is something we have touched on a number of times. And I have to say... Uh, you know, I do enjoy reading what you write, but I was particularly impressed with this in terms of trying to make the distinction between the kind of token that you would buy if you're on your holidays versus something that actually brings something further to the watch industry. Why don't you give us a summary of what you were saying? Yeah, thank you. I mean, this is sort of a watch designer critique style analysis of a particular type of emotion that brands tried to capture, and that is reminding you of some other type of thing. And that's a good thing, right? When you have a watch which reminds you of telling the time and something else, we're all like, that's great. I mean, look at the nicknames that Rolex watches and Seiko watches and other brands have received that have really promoted their popularity. You know, would there have been so many... Uh, Seiko, whatever the reference numbers of was, if it wasn't the monster, would there be that many uh, Rolex, Pepsi, Batmans, Hulks, whatever? Um, th so it's a positive thing. But in the attempt to do this in sort of a, a marketing way, whether it's sort of like a, a, a merchandise watch or sort of just in a corny way, there's a right and wrong way of doing this. And I think that just putting that graphic on top of a watch dial is like almost always the wrong way, yet that still seems to be like 80% of what we see, right? Mm -hmm. David, favorite themed watches? Ooh, that's, uh, that's not easy, actually. I like watches that can perform under arduous conditions where I would fail. So anything that takes a watch there and proves that it works, I quite like that. Is there a thing whereby a themed watch, as Ariel points out, and the classic is probably the Domino's Pizza Air King. That's, well, whereby you, you, you can call the Domino's passes. Pizza an arduous condition, sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but is, is, there, is there a place whereby the cheesiness of that eventually passes through some sort of washing process and then becomes uber cool in the way that it was A, never intended, and B, never was, but, you know, not necessarily we, the media, but it has kind of transcended your argument, Ariel, of if you just stick the logo on a thing, 
that's a bit naff. Well, the discussion is about what tends to work most of the time, not works what works sort of once in a while by accident through sort of a cult status. And that's really not the point. I mean, we've all been to theme parks and been like, wow, if there are only, you know, better watches to celebrate what I like about this place, I would get it. And we see that all the time. Um, more recently, we're starting to see more artistic integration. You know, we're seeing collaboration watches that work well, but we still see too many terrible ones. So, what I really wanted to do with this article is just set out from almost an academic standpoint, this is what happens when these watches are done incorrectly, this is what's wrong, and when they're done correctly, this is why. And you have to respect that it's a watch first, and then you imagine that watch existing in the universe that you like. It's a watch from that universe. It's not a watch painted <laughs> with that universe. And that's a very different yes. thing. And when you imagine that the watch you're creating exists as part of that universe, um, or at the very least is meant to remind you of elements of it, then you you have something successful. And that last part is really the trickiest thing. It's like, imagine making a perfectly, uh, a, you know, functioning ordinary watch, but something about it reminds you of something else you like. Um, you know, the actually, you know, the, the, the Pineapple Dream Watch, it was released today. The theme was tropical foliage. It's, it's not like a watch with a palm leaf on the dial, <laughs> right? It's a watch first, but it has colors that remind you of something, but it never stops being a watch. Really, there's there's very little bit about which would be considered frivolous, and and I think that that is a, a difficult balance to strike, and what not enough brands are, try to aim for. So the 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 two watches that you use to demonstrate this, the best I think is probably the fossil Star Wars Stormtrooper, which is a watch with a Stormtrooper on it. So that's your kind of tacky. Stick the thing, and that's like the really coolest version watch. of a stormtrooper it on it. Cool but watch. it's still yeah, just yeah. like no stormtroopers. Like I'm gonna look at a watch with my face on it. You know, no one in the yeah. Star Wars universe is ever going to imagine making a watch with a, somebody's face on it like that that an adult would wear. Whereas you then posit that the Devon Star Wars is the kind of watch that a stormtrooper would wear, and and that's the essential difference. It's Designing the watch within the universe. I love that this is like an academic discussion. The watch watch, watch <laughs> like nerds it. everywhere it's... trying to figure out what would a stormtrooper wear? I mean, really? Yeah. Would it be a G Shock? I mean, would really. a white G Shock? Is that what it would be? <laughs> <laughs> I think it really accurately sums up some of the difficulties I have with like stormtroopers. You know, car well, stormtroopers with like car brands putting their names on watches, like the tag collaborations and things. Because it's not the watch that someone that drives a Porsche should wear because it reminds them of the Porsche or of a Porsche. Or could be a watch that someone who couldn't afford a Porsche could wear and get some of the, I don't know, uh, the, the fuzzy feeling of, you know, if I owned a Porsche, this is the kind of watch. I, I, I it, It's much more simple. They just stick Porsche in the dial. And that doesn't, I think, solve anybody's itch that particularly needs scratched whereas if you like this Devon Star Wars is yeah is the watch designer has entered the universe of Star Wars and gone well what would someone in Star Wars wear rather than just a much more simple exercise of how much money can we make by putting this logo on this watch and fobbing it off as a collaboration or you know some sort of well, I have to say, now having been involved in the design process more than once, I can say that 
the real challenge is just the time and money, but usually just the time required to get this done right. And the calculus is, will you make that much more money by having a well-designed themed watch other than getting, you know, some interest at all? It's sort of like the calculus they used to make with, like, you know, the video game movies. Like, we could make a good movie and, like, <laughs> a bunch of people will see it. We're going to have a mediocre movie and, like, enough people will see it for us to make our money back and then a little bit more. Exactly. And I think that that's the problem. The community is getting pickier in a good way. And I think demanding more, but I think what I try to do with articles like this is arm the community with certain types of vocabulary or concepts to think about. So when there's a poorly themed watch, they're like, hey, high-end watch brand, nice try, but you're going to have to do better than this. And that's really the goal. Yeah. So, David. Yes. $10,000 question, $100,000, million dollar question. Did Ariel succeed in the design of his own watch? Hit miss maybe on the Arrow Adams design Zodiac what? Super Seawolf Pineapple Dream. <laughs> Anything that has Pineapple Dream in the name of it, I'm I'm a buyer for it. Um, no, it's, it's <laughs> okay. serious. It's, I think as long as it's a lighthearted exercise, uh, I'm not sure how it could fail in my book. Uh, it's, you know, most of the watches, mm. like 98% of them are serious or take themselves too seriously. And this one doesn't. And, you know, that's, that's why I like... This one, but also most of the other Super Sea Wolf watches from Zodiac over the years, they've produced so many of these. And there are some black dial, more boring, you know, gray tone watches, but the colorful ones for years have been, have been, have been a hit for me. So, you know, this, and this is no different. Yeah. So Ariel, it draws into the process here because I'm curious as to whether there was any point in this design process that if you like, you fell into your own trap that you kind of overdid it because you started putting pineapples in the dial or something and then you pulled back from it? Or was it a much more obvious process, uh, much more of a the design just kind of dropped out the sky and was fairly complete rather than having to be worked on, reiterated, or toned down or toned up, in fact? It's a very good question. And I would say that I put an inordinate amount of thought into this, you know, the watch itself, the pineapple dream, it really began with the, the look of tropical leaves and foliage. The pineapple part didn't actually come into the visual part. It came in later when it comes to the story part in Kim's in terms of how do people talk about it? Is it fun? And it turns out I was correct because if it was just the, the visual story, it's like pretty watch, nothing to say about it. But now you add in the pineapple part and like that's a big, that's exactly what I anticipated. That's a huge part of the conversation. People like it because it's pretty, but they talk about it because this pineapple thing. And I had this hunch that it needed an extra hook. And I'm not saying pineapple was a perfect thing. Um, it worked out quite well, but I sort of sensed that it was missing an element and, and adding that sort of completed it. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, but so did you at any stage, like, so you got the pineapple hook, did you then start putting pineapples everywhere? Like, uh, what's the, you know, like uh, a, a Bulgari, Bulgari, it's written everywhere. And then like a pattern? You go, wait a minute. Yeah, like <laughs> well, a pattern. Yeah, no, because here's the thing. This back. The pineapple itself is not what's beautiful. The pineapple is something that makes you feel good in terms of hearing it, thinking about it. 
but the colors themselves are what's beautiful. If the pineapple is what was beautiful, I'd put pineapples everywhere. But the pineapple being a symbol for something else means it just needs to be there and it needs to be minimized. And I think that would be the mistake. Is being like, oh, it's called pineapple dream. Let's just stick pineapples everywhere, right? Like that's wrong. What's what's co- more correct is asking yourself what's appealing about the pineapple. How would you want it to be presented, and not overdoing it? And that was actually a compliment some people had was in the tiny little pineapple on the dial and the more subtle, tasteful on the back, and that it was. It, and again, it it's an experiment. You never ultimately know. But it worked out well, and I was very satisfied that, and I will learn things that I will carry over into future projects. So, and this was done uh, in association with the launch with eBay. Uh, tell us how that worked. Yeah, so eBay was really just a facilitator because Feldmar, that is one of Zodiac's authorized dealers, um, did a live shopping thing and also has it on their eBay store. So, you could buy the Zodiac watch at full retail price from Feldmar through eBay. And so, eBay is there basically saying to people through part of their certified brand program, hey, everyone, this isn't just a place to sort of buy and sell used watches, but brand new watches at retail price, not, you know, sometimes over retail price. That's not the point here, but at retail price from authorized dealers with all the eBay trust built in. And of course, buying from an authorized dealer is something you can do on their platform. So that's really what it's all about. But commercially speaking, this was a watch that was picked up by, I actually, it was actually told every single one of Zodiac's authorized dealers picked up the Pineapple Dream Watch. And so you can buy it there. Um, or you know your your local one, or from Zodiac directly, and that for me was the biggest honor because with the with the Aquamarine Dream, at first it was like a small handful. Then eventually, I think like forty of them did it. But this was this was really impressive. And this is a company I didn't even know this. Zodiac really only makes like twelve thousand watches a year, uh, which isn't a huge, which is you know not a tiny amount, but for a brand that averages price about uh, you know maybe fifteen hundred dollars or so. That's great. And another thing I learned, which is awesome, is the Pineapple Dream has an upgraded movement, which is which is the the 2-1 version of the STP-1 uh, movement, the STP-1- or 2-1. And it has, maybe there's another extra one in there, but there is a 2-1, which is the main point. And this has silicon now. So, it has a silicon escapement in there, which is great. Um, so, you know, price was $16.95. Again, I don't make more money on these. I don't have a commission uh, that I get. Uh, it was just an exciting, good value proposition. Um, yeah, anyways, that was eBay's involvement. Cool. <laughs> good, good. And uh, when should myself and David expect our freebies to arrive in the post? Um, well, well, we'll have to talk to the, the, the nice <laughs> folks at Zodiac. Zodiac, the blog to watch team, likes it. Uh, make Make the pineapple dream rain upon them. I mean, we, we don't see pineapples in Scotland very often. I mean, fruit in Scot- in Glasgow? Well, this is part of me. why the pineapple became so popular, because y'all in the UK decided this was the most amazing fruit in the world because you couldn't grow it. Exactly. The Lost Gardens of Helgen. I'll tell you a story about that okay. later on, about how they used to grow pineapples in, pineapples in the it's UK. It's a controlled substance in the UK. <laughs> fruit. <laughs> yeah, pineapple in particular. <laughs> if the police stops you and you have a bunch of pineapples in your car, you're screwed. <laughs> this is about to be a Monty Python sketch. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, China, out the car. The pineapple smuggler. That totally sounds like a Monty Python. <laughs> the flick of 
The FHH invite you to join this year's forum event, taking place on the 8th of November in Geneva. This year's forum is entitled Horology Futurology, Grasping the Complexities of a Fast-Changing Consumer Reality. The event will bring together industry professionals, speakers and panellists, all to discuss and unpack the theme of adaptability of the watch sector to its customers in a constantly changing world. The forum will bring together internationally renowned figures such as Ian Golden, Virginia Raison, Bruno David and Ines Leodanuzzi. If you would like to come along to the event, then there are a limited number of tickets still available and you can source these tickets via the FHH's website at www.otorology.org. We hope to see you in Geneva, but if you're unable to attend the event, then do keep your ears peeled to a blog to watch weekly for coverage. Bremen Supermarine S302GMT watches. It really rolls out the uh, tongue, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we think that this is Davide Serato's first real product, if you like, since he took over at Bremen, or will this have been sitting in the background for a wee while? Um, yeah, I'm not seeing much more than some sort of updated colors here. Like, this is a fashion mm. play. Like, I can see Davide being like, you know, like, okay, we got an afternoon, guys. We got to come up with a collection. <laughs> like, Okay, that's a that's a good thing for an afternoon. Um, but I feel like they're trying to get through stock. I think they're trying to get through styles they have. Uh, it's complicated for a brand like Bremont to have to pivot to whatever he wants to do. I, I think that what you're seeing is an emphasis on the colors that work. I think a lot in the past, even if there was a pretty Bremont, like if it was nice colors, it was totally an accident. And... And now I think there's a little bit more, which is Davide's strong point, is also the colors and, and the fashionability there. I think the jet ones are nice. I have one of the previous jet models. For me, those are the, the nicest lookers. Yeah, I mean, I do really like the Supermarine. The Supermarine is great watch as a as a kind of, you know, everyday bulletproof, do anything with GMT complication just makes great. I've got one here, which is GMT and chronograph. It's the triptych case, which uh, does very well. So, Rick, um yeah, I wonder how ubiquitous Bremen is or how widely uh, you see it around in the UK or how well known as a brand it is. I mean, that's an interesting question because you do see it everywhere. Hmm. As in like, it would probably, Nick, apart from like the more fashion brands like Rado and the much, like the one level down in terms of cost like Tissot, which would be fairly much everywhere in your kind of Casios and Citizens and stuff. The two, if you want, luxury brands you would probably see in the most stores would be Tag Heuer and Bremont, I would guess. But hmm. has that actually led to anybody other than Watch Geeks knowing who Bremont is? I think that's a particularly interesting question because I'm not sure, I'm not sure it has. I'm not sure that if you, despite its, you know, ubiquity in so many high streets, that if you were to ask folk to name 10 watch brands, that Bremen would even get a look in, in, you know, if you ask 100 random people to name watch brands in the UK, I'm not sure. I think, I think even though they're not in stores, I think people would name Christopher Ward before they would name Bremen. Mike France, Mike France would be delighted to hear that. 
Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't surprise him. But I thought I thought that we're trying to sort of like be a little bit an exportation of British culture, like, oh, that's nice, made in London, but it wasn't necessarily for a home audience consumption. Uh, maybe, but it is in a lot of stores in the UK. Okay. Like it was, I, that may have changed over the last three or four years, but historically, if you had if you owned a jewelers and you wanted a Bremont patch on your store, it was not going to be difficult to persuade Bremont to let you stock their watches. You know, you could go in, I, I can't think of a, a jewellery high street where you couldn't buy Bremen. Uh, that may have changed since COVID, I don't know. But, uh, and they may have contracted back from that model slightly with their kind of townhouses and things. But uh, it certainly would have been fairly ubiquitous in terms of high street retail, but I'm not sure it was really broken through into the public consciousness. And I don't know whether that means, as you suggest, Ariel, it has in the US. I mean, is it a brand that people talk about outside of, you know, us geeks? Do you see it? Do you ever see a Bremen in the wild? I mean, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that that question? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're making, what are they making now? 50,000 watches a year? Yeah, but you know what? I, I Okay, I've seen a couple of Bell and Rosses in the wild. I feel like Bremont and Bell and Ross, I know people don't put them in the same category, but for me, there's similarities because they're trying to fashionably package a sort of instrument theme. I feel like I should see a lot more than maybe I have. I mean, I I like the Bramont stuff. I mean, I really, I really like them a lot. I mean, it, it they're designed to be more mainstream, but I, it may have been a little while since I've seen one in the wild. But I I, I used to see them on, on watch lovers a little bit more. I think when they first sort of started getting out there a little bit. I want Bramont to get the groove back a little bit. That's I, I I'm I'm rooting for them. I don't think, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think they make any watches that I wouldn't wear. I mean, I like them because they tend to be quite big and chunky watches when I've got 43 mil. So they make nice, I don't know, masculine watches. And the women's watches they make are also really cool. I don't think there's any watches that they make that you go, oh, well, that's horrible. Where'd that come from? They're all good, solid, reliable engineers. I think there's always been a debate about how expensive they are. But they've spent a lot of money in that factory and a lot of money trying to build an in-house movement that then never happened. So they're carrying a lot of debt. So see what happens. But uh, yeah, these are nice. They will sell if they get a chance to get in front of people. David, uh, have you ever seen a Bremen in the wild in Hungary? Do they, are they available? Not here. Um, no, and they're not available. I've seen uh, Bremen on, on people's wrists. <laughs> I've seen I've seen them during my travels, but they are not available here. So yeah, I, don't, I very rarely see uh, one in the wild here. Now, here's a watch I do like. Hands-on from Ariel, the Gorilla Fastback Drift. This is the Safari Wandering Hours watch. I have in my possession one of the Wandering Hours original Fastback G Drifts, the red one. Yeah. How is this one different from that? Or is it just a color palette thing? There are some differences, not many. They're small. The Vaucher manufactured label is gone from the dial, which is not a good or bad thing. It's just interesting that they just, you know, they decided to remove it. It wasn't the most elegant thing there, but it was nice to for Vaucher to remind people that where the module came from. The, you know, it had this sort of like big crown and this, and this crown protector on the side that was part of the carbon. That's now made in titanium. 
and then there's the colors, and then there's a much higher price. Yeah, it's the price that is the most shocking thing here, I think. This has gone from an original, which was 2850 to nearly doubled. It's it's about five grand now. Yeah, it's 4850 Is it... Can it sustain that? Is that just inflation and a little bit of brand identity and everybody realizing you actually need to put your prices up in order to actually make some money rather than running as a charity? I think that this is the price point that Gorilla needs to put it at for it to be viable. They make very few of these, and I just think that this is what it needs to be at. Look, when it first came out, there was nothing else on the market like it. Since then, there's been some, not Swiss-made ones, but some other ones, I, I, I don't know where they're made, uh, but they're, I don't know how they perform. This one works, and as you know, Rick, really well. This is a very high-functioning module. This works about as nicely as you can imagine. You can adjust it forward and backwards. I suspect the lower price point ones are not going to work as well as this and are not going to last as long. I would be suspicious of getting something this delicate at a lower price point. You can definitely spend a huge amount more, namely with an Orwork or with the Autumn Gay. Yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with the AP Wanderingers. The Star Wheel, as they call it. Star Wheel, and then found this and was like, yeah, this is just amazing at that price and with Voshi, which means that it's going to work rather than some nondescript movement from wherever. So, yeah, I really like it. Does the color does the color work better in the core, kind of more muted tones? Because obviously the other one's bright red. There's no really hiding it. I mean, it's a big watch. It's not like you really can hide it, no matter what color it is. But does this tone it down a bit, make it slightly more wearable? It's a little bit less flashy in that way, right? Because the other one was very like, I'm on a racetrack. And this one is a little <laughs> bit more like, I'm on a dirt track. Uh, you know, so it's it's a little bit more fashionable in that sense where you can get away with it more. You know, who knows why he went with this type of theme, but the sort of black and brown, it's hip, it's cool, it can go with a lot of things. So, I, I support that. Um, you know, again, it's it's a cool watch, but when I wear it, people still have no idea what to make of it. I mean, this is a watch where people are like, what what is that? And and I like that a lot. Maybe Gorilla doesn't like that as much, but I think that's a temporary <laughs> thing. It is genuinely a watch that if you're wearing it, people will ask you about it and then you get to geek out, whether they enjoy you geeking out at them by telling them how it works and reading the time. But it is genuinely a watch that starts conversations. and That's never a bad thing. Good. Well, I like a watch citizen. that ends a conversation. <laughs> David would rather not speak to anybody. Well, we're coming on to the Hublot shortly, but before we get to the Hublot, new, re- new release, the Citizen AQ4100-65W Platinum Tosawashi, I've no idea if that's how you pronounce it, at paper dial watch mm. because all we need in watch is You had made AQ out. something, something, something. <laughs> now, we normally play Guess the Price of the Seiko, but this effectively just appears like a complete copy of a Grand Seiko. So we're going to play Guess the Price of the Citizen. All you get to know is the title and the fact that it's got the word platinum in it. I already know it, but though. But how much do you... How much, oh, you already yeah. know the price of... Well, don't, don't you play okay. then. Or, you know, David... Do you already know? Is this game already a bogey? 
Uh, yes, I happen to know the price of this one, yeah, because I was shocked to see <laughs> that there is a grand citizen in town now, and I was like, okay, how much is it? And uh, okay, so it's it's cheaper well, than a grand Seiko. Four thousand three hundred US dollars. Yeah, is it choice between the two? Which one are you going for and why? I haven't seen this one hands-on, um, so I, I wonder what it is. Uh, and it has a solar quartz for 4,300. I mean, that's, that's quite a lot. Uh, but it is cool because it's accurate to within five seconds per year if that floats your boat. Um, mm. Well, I'm not sure if I would if I would spend 4,300 on this one, to be honest. But uh, especially not because it's... Uh, why would you make something that is the exact same style of bracelet, same style of case... Same style of hands, you know, maybe someone can correct me that Citizen made something like this back in 1962, but um, it's just absolutely a Grand Seiko aesthetic uh, in, in today's world. So it's, it's a bit of a shame, really. Maybe it's just in the constitution of Japan that that's what a watch looks like. <laughs> yeah, it probably is, actually. <laughs> you can only make watches if they remind you of something in nature. Is it an interesting... Uh, result of this watch that people are saying this looks like a Grand Seiko like is that actually good news for Grand Seiko that people are finally going yes. oh this is a Grand Seiko aesthetic we, we actually understand what Grand Seiko is that's a good point I think it's good news yes for Grand Seiko that is yes mm. and is it bad news for Citizen that you know th so this is probably closest related to the, the snowflake probably the most well known certainly in watch nerds Grand Seiko's is and I think the reason you're not buying this over the Grand Seiko is because it says Citizen on it and not Grand Seiko and I also wonder whether that is finally showing that Grand Seiko has managed to separate itself from the Seiko brand because if if the Grand Seiko just said Seiko on it and this just said Citizen on it and they were priced eeksy peeksy and basically the same watch I think I'd be going, well, actually, I'd just buy the cheaper one if I wanted this kind of aesthetic. I but need to I point something out. Grand Seiko or not, I'm going, I'm having the Grand Seiko. Go for it. Over the last 20 years, both Citizen and Seiko, and a lot of these have been JDM, but they've come out with weird-looking high-end watches. And they're like, you know what the world wants? Something totally different. We're going to get cool and weird. And like... There's like four people in the world, including myself, who've been like, damn, that's cool. And everyone else is like, the hell is this? Yes. So, <laughs> I really think this is a result of them being like, okay, all the crazy stuff we did, there was like 10 people that liked it. And everyone else was like, uh, what? It wasn't even like, it's too much money. They're just like, what? So, I, I think they're just like, well, let's just see what happens. Yes, Citizen has done stuff like this in the past. It's not just Seiko. So, there is mutual history because again they were just like this is a watch from japan citizen makes it and seiko makes it um that there was a lot of that of course there were differences but you know they both i guess you could say have made these this is an awesome product uh it's super lightweight it's very durable it's cool looking it's artistic it's um you know it's a lot of what you like about grand seiko but with the citizen name on it at a price that now compared to Grand Seiko looks really, really good. So, is it not original in the way that we're talking about? Absolutely. Is there like a marketing reason why for that? Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, one of my favorite things to do with David sometimes, maybe we've gone through them all, is like we go through the crazy Seikos that we'd love to buy, but we're like, what were they thinking? Like, what were they thinking? Like, look at that one. What yeah. were they thinking? And the reality is like, you know, especially with the type of um, reliance Seiko has right now and like selling like everything, like <laughs> the, the, the era of that weird experimentation, maybe it'll come back, but it is, it is dead over now. Mm. That's true. And it's a shame. Yeah, the, the the chat on the article is particularly interesting. It's probably this week's longest uh, chat and comment section. So go and get stuck into that because it's basically folk arguing the ultimate geekness between Grand Seikos and citizens. And it does this and it does that and it does the other. So there's some real deep weeds. Maybe citizens just did this to upset the forum folk. They were like, let's launch this and prepare. And they, <laughs> they were sitting there with a bunch of popcorn and just just checking all the forums and comment sections. Yes. <laughs> feel, feel the if evil only... take over you. Join the dark side. <laughs> uh, our final big review this week. Ublo Big Bang Turbian SR underscore a i don't know if the underscores a typo or particularly relevant but it's there sr underscore air by samuel ross watch i asked the question is it okay that i like this oh these are awesome I don't know. and comfortable these are awesome They're so cool uh, uh, uh i mean maybe it's just that you reach that point in your life whereby you just want to buy the porsche 911 that's bright pink to stand out from the crowd and the drabness of life in the world and the futility of life and you decide to do it by buying a bright lime green Hublot Tourbillon. Actually, the the futility of life would be the perfect name for this watch. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that should be our brand. Futile, futile, always futile. Futility of life. Honestly, I'm looking at this and it's it's bang on. That's a perfect name for it. How many millimeters is this? Is it like 65 at least? Well, there's 50 pieces and it is 44 Mm. mil. So it's not it's not a monster. I'm not it's going weirdable. to believe that for a blow at all. Uh, I, I, at one point, I measured the 42 millimeter Big Bang Chrono something, and uh-huh. it, it easily measured 45. You had to like, to, <laughs> you had literally had to cut corners in the watch because there were like some tiny <laughs> corners around like the case where if you measured that way, it was 42. But when I tell you that it's a 42 millimeter watch, you picture a 42 millimeter wide watch, right? Like you, you picture mm. something that would look like a very specific kind of way on your wrist and it absolutely wore like a 45 comfortably so this is 44 maybe if you measure in between those indentations on the bezel or something (laughs) Uh, do you arrow you've obviously worn this or the previous versions of this or similar versions of this no i've worn that exact one i've i've seen a working one as well as a prototype um i've known the watches this sort of come from and Look, I mean, it's inevitable. We're going to see more high-end citizen watches, mechanical ones, these sort of really fancy eco drives with these ultra-accurate movements. Okay, Ariel appears to be one conversation behind because <laughs> we're talking about an Hublot. <laughs> but only for a couple of minutes, so that's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I was looking at my phone for a second, messing with something, and I just, no, I forgot they were talking about Sam Ross. Well, you were talking, okay, uh, I'm sorry. What what were you saying about the Samuel Ross? That watch? it's too large. Oh, it's not too big. It is. 
a comfy fit. We wore, didn't, David, you were cuff. with us. We were with us when we wore the original version of this. Remember with like the orange? Oh, uh, was that this year at the Watches and Wonders? Yeah, yeah. I just love the fact that they're still sticking with this USB thing on the front. I don't know what it does. I don't know what they think it brings to the watch design, but every time I look at it, I just want to plug something in. That's good. Oh, the it's supposed to remind you of what you do every day. Yeah. <laughs> Charge your things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's that's a funky looking port or button or whatever. I mean, it's a large movement and it's a larger case still. And if you have tryptophobia, I think that's, that's the name, you know, when you have like a phobia of holes, you know, when you find them like disgusting <laughs> or something. So if you have that sort of like phobia, don't look at this watch because the movement, the case back, <laughs> the case, the case profile, everything, it, the straps, everything is full of holes, like tiny little weird hexagonal <laughs> holes. So if you've got a fear of holes, this is not the watch for you. We'll just leave. We'll just leave that there. <sighs> right, let's uh, circle for landing, play a quick round of Hitmas, maybe with a few other releases this week. Uh, first up, the Titoni Impetus Ceramtech ZR02 watch. Ripley had a hands-on with this. This is like a bright blue watch with the yellow on it is probably the easiest way to explain it made of ceram tech whatever that I is i saw this tonight on this ripley's a wrist a miss or a, did he have yeah. a hit miss or maybe it's then really Ariel, cool it, it's thinner than you think it is actually in a good way the quality's good that blue ceramic is a tone that just a few years ago they couldn't get to be stable in that light of a blue um and even if you don't like the colors, you could totally see it working in other ones. It's legible. It's kind of got a cool geometry to it. I, I, honestly, this this is this is really a, a, a surprise uh, in a in a great way from Titone. Good stuff. So a hit from Ariel, a hit from me as well. Looks great. The price three grand. I think that's probably about right. You know, yeah. they don't well, seem to have cut brand. any corners on it. Like if you take a look at it, like you might say, I wasn't thinking three grand, but you could see it being that it. it Again, it's it's a significant investment in materials, and you really look at how nicely it fits together. Titone, who owns it? Is it independent? What's its story? I don't know. I mean, uh, we've worked with them a little bit, and uh, I think they're sort of one of those companies that made what we call tourist watches for a long time. And what I mean by that is they, you know, sort of relied on people that would come to uh, Switzerland, and they would sell like what you think of as a Swiss watch. But with that market kind of going away, they were like, well, how can we distinguish ourselves a little bit? And for a couple of years, they had a lot of lookalike watches. But now you see them getting into the swing of things and saying, hey, you know, we're a, we're, we're a real Swiss watch brand with heritage. Let's let's be interesting. So I, 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 I hope there'll be interesting things coming from Titone. They are over a hundred years old, and they are—they say that they are owned and operated by the third and fourth generation of the founding family. So that's kind—that's kind of cool. Okay, cool. And a hit for you? Yeah, I like the colors. I'm not a huge oh, this fan is a of total the David watch. Yeah, but but I do <laughs> like the colors and and the vibe overall. So yeah, good one. Happy to see this. So that's an all right hit. Uh, IWC Pilots Watch Time Zoner Top Gun Woodland Watch. I'm a big fan of the Time Zoner. It's got a really interesting history if you want to delve into the chap who invented it and how it ended up being owned by IWC. There's some some thinking in there. It's worth going and investigating. Apart from the fact that these are huge, this is a really cool watch. Always has been. 
you never see them about. If I was going to buy an IWC, I would be buying this one. And particularly this model looks a little bit toned down and there's got a little bit more about it. What do you gents think, David? Hit miss or maybe? I quite like the woodland and I like what what uh, IWC is doing with all these colored tones and, and and all that. So that's that's a lot of fun, huge chunky movement. Overall, cool impression this watch makes, and it's seventeen thousand four hundred. So basically, sky dweller price. And um, you know, I guess I guess it's cool. I'm not sure if it's almost eighteen grand cool. I like the uh, Mojave um, Desert Top Gun, you know, the, the, the Pilot Switch 41 that debuted on the same day. A little bit more, yeah. and it's a lot less expensive at 11.7. That, that gives me all the IWC vibes I need. Okay, Ariel, all the IWC vibes you need, or do you need a bit more? These are awesome watches in the flesh, and they're very much from sort of a design perspective. They're like, let's take this cool design and make them interesting. So I like what they're doing with it. I do feel like we don't need to have this much price. I know they're great quality and nice movements, but I feel that the people that want to wear this look don't want to spend this much money. And the people that want to spend this much money don't necessarily want this, it's in some instances, simple of a look. Um, so, I feel like there's a little bit of mismatch between sort of the luxury level and the design, even though these are very fun designs. I, people might disagree with me, but that's sort of my immediate reaction. So is that two maybes from you both? Yeah. Yeah. Ariel, a maybe? Sure. <laughs> okay, final watch for today is going to be the Louis Erard times Alan Silberstein. Next triptyque is khaki and includes a tourbillon. This is an article from Mike Razak. What do we think of this? I'm a big fan of all these Louis Erard, Alan Silberstein collaborations and why not add a turbion to it hit what about you gents oh these are fantastic i mean the, the non-turbion versions are four grand and the turbion is twenty two thousand. if i see no it's a three-piece triptych that you have to get get uh, get uh, get for twenty two thousand, and that includes the two regular watches and then the turbion so that's 14 for the turbion and four for each of these i wouldn't buy the triptych that sounds weird but uh, I quite like these cartoonish watches, and I remember there were a number of years, like 10 years or maybe more, when Ellen Silberstein was just, just gone. I mean, you know, it was extremely rare, you know, to see a new release. People didn't really care much about them. If you went on Chrono 24, you could pick them up for next to nothing, and I always wondered why and when this aesthetic would come back and who would bring it back, and I'm really happy for Louis Arard that they, they are doing this. It's, it's a fantastic watch, really, so uh, yeah, a, a hit for sure. It's definitely a hit. I mean, these are pretty looking and I've always been a fan of Alan Silberstein's work. I do find it interesting, the little experimentation that we see here, like we're going to have a low price tourbillon, but you can't buy it by itself. <laughs> you have to pay more. Uh, it's the law. Yeah. And it's like, you know, buy two watches you don't for the one that you do. Because I don't know that there's anyone who's like, you know what I need? three of these green watches <laughs> you know like this is not ever. enough yeah so like it it's a kind of weird hook it's like low price but is it so we'll see how that goes and again i i support it for trying stuff like that but like you can't you can't talk about this watch without discussing that part of it mm. tell me which one you want you can't have that <laughs> you have to have two more yeah <laughs> it's like 
It's very random. <laughs> You're spending 28 grand on this. This isn't going to be your first Alan Silverstein either, Still, presumably. At 14 grand, this would have been such a strong offering. And now it's 22. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, you've probably got, as well as the three you have to buy in this set, you've probably got another two that look the same. You've effectively got five watches that basically look the same. And, you know, minor design cues aside. So it is a, it is a bit odd, but is it a hit, Ariel? Or is the whole retail experience going to go, well, this is just not working for me? I mean, look, other than the colors and the tourbillon, there's not much new here. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that the wonderful thing about Alan Silverstein is he does weird things at all, of, all different price points and tries new things. But that's also sometimes the downside. So these are nice. But I think the jury's still out on do we like this business model of selling lower lower price tourbillons? I, you know, I, I, where do you think the relationship sits between Louis Erard and Silverstein? I don't think this is the this is not the first thing they've done. And Louis Erard does. You mean like who's the like dominant one in the relationship? I don't know. Yeah, but like there's like constant shaking and stuff. I'm not asking for like any inside line or anything. <laughs> if that's not the sort of discussion you come to, uh, to this podcast for, then I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> right, well, we'll just leave it at that then. It can just be a mystery to us all. Good Often stuff. better that right. way. <laughs> Often better. What way? Just keep it behind closed doors, right, gentlemen? What does the next week hold for you, Ariel? I'm imagining a bit of sleep and not using your vocal cords for the next ten hours or so. I was told I've been podcasting too much. Not what? this show. <laughs> this whom? show I've been podcasting just enough, but with superlative, apparently I'm like way over recorded. So I have to tell people literally, <laughs> I'll get to you next year, which is true. <laughs> you got a few sitting in the can yeah there's been there's been a bunch of them there's a bunch more people i still need to um interview because i have a, an appointment with them but it's it's been very good and you know when i go to events more and more people are sharing with me that they're listening to our shows whether it's weekly or superlative um we're part of people's commutes um so thank you to everyone out there who's listening um it's weird because you know we're having this conversation ourselves, David, uh, Richard, and myself. But you're all also feeling like we're having it with you. So, you know us, but we don't know you. And so, that's why we always say, like, ask us questions, give us feedback, because we want to know a little bit more about the personalities. It's not so much what you think in terms of, like, responses to what we say, but if you have other ideas or topics you find fun, um, we just, we like to know about how, how our work is, I don't know, included in your life. Absolutely, yeah. Get in touch, podcast at a blog to watch.com or look up the show notes on the website and leave a comment there or review the show. We do see them eventually and it's always nice to receive five stars. David, what is your five star week consistent? Long jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you're correct. Practically, <laughs> not so much. This show brought to you by Long jeans. I'm about to change the strap on this solid gold Chopar watch that they sent in for review and they sent it on a triple XL strap that's sized for a tree trunk so I have to like remove that strap and it's conveniently 19 millimeters lug width so I have to like find I have one strap that is 19 millimeters I'm putting it on that and I will wear this beautiful watch on this 
moderately ugly, blank, black, boring strap now. So uh, what I want to know is, what is the most damage you have done to a lone watch whereby you've attempted to resize the bracelet yourself? Well, not not at that point, but I did scratch some watches uh, over time. And uh, yeah, that, that just happens, I guess. I hate myself <laughs> when it goes. does, but, but it does happen. <laughs> Worst story I, I have of a damaging a watch that doesn't says, to you. You're going to have to send me a new strap. <laughs> That's right. There's a signature sign-off. I, I get shocked sometimes. Sometimes they cost so much. Like there's some, you know, those rubber straps that you have to cut to size. Like I screw mm. up a lot. Okay, <laughs> not 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 like Ari was hacking away a reshared no, rubber I strap. Just, I like Stanley I cut knife. too much off or something like that. It's not that my cutting is bad. And then there's like a, it's like a hundred dollar mistake. So like yes, luckily we get to do things like be like, uh, could you send a new one? But I could see somebody like going home, getting so excited and like cutting it one too short. And like just deciding not to spend the extra hundred, just wearing it too tight, hating themselves. <laughs> um, I guess I just so have yes, to live this with happens. this now. That's my yes, life now. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, thank you all very much for listening. Join us all again next week. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. For listening. David's meeting the driver. David's meeting the driver. David's meeting the driver to pick up a nice package. <laughs>